Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Okay, we're reading today from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. And I'll just give you a chance to open your word, whether that's your iPhone, laptop. I don't see any laptops, iPads, good old-fashioned paper Bible. Okay, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets Hang on these two commandments. Thank you, Sue, and thank you, worship team. Some lovely worship this morning. Morning, church. How are we doing? All right. Good to see you. And hello to everyone watching online. It's good to have you here as well. Um, Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, my name's Murray, uh, and it's really nice to see you here or have you joining us online this morning. So we have been going through this series of Sowing the Seeds. Last few weeks, we had a little lovely break for Mother's Day, which was awesome, but we've been going through this new series, Sowing the Seeds, and in that, we're sort of weaving through this shape course that we're going to be doing in a few months' time. And as we kind of go through this series, we're going to be looking at the elements of shape. So we'll look at that in a little bit, but I think first, what I want to kind of be asking this morning, and I think what we should constantly be coming back to as we go through these series is how do we sow seeds? Like, how do we do that well? How do we sow seeds into our own lives, good seed? How do we sow seeds into the lives of others? How do we sow seeds into this community? And how do we sow seeds for the kingdom of God? I think that's kind of what we always want to be coming back to on a practical level with this Sowing the Seed series. So each week as we're going through these elements of shape, we want to be thinking back to how does that inform the way I'm going to be sowing seeds? And what does sowing seeds actually look like, right? That's obviously a metaphor that Jesus used, but essentially it is planting something which is going to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, good fruit for the kingdom of God. And that's going to look very different for different people. Okay, so for some people, that's going to look like really hardcore evangelizing. Okay, but unfortunately, not everyone has been gifted with the gift of evangelism. Right. Paul says this himself in Ephesians 4, 11, 13. He says, so Christ gave himself the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service. So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So even within that little passage there, we've got a few different roles, and that's not an all-conclusive list. That's just some of many, many gifts and calls that God has for each of us. So I want you to continue to be thinking today as we're looking at this next element of heart, 
What does that mean for me sowing seeds for God's kingdom? So as I said, we've been looking at the SHAPE course and we've been already uh, last sort of two weeks of this series looking at spiritual gifts, which Mitch did an awesome job really unpacking all the way from the Old Testament in the beginning, how we've been created, being image bearers of God, all the way into the New Testament of what God has individually placed as spiritual gifts on each of our lives. And this next part I want to look at is heart. And heart is this really broad term, and it kind of means a lot of things. I mean, it's a very literal organ, but also it's more than just a pump that pumps blood around your body, right? It's, it's the very core of who we are. It's our passions. It's our desires. It's our innermost desires and passions. And that's what I really want to be looking at today, about how the heart that God has uniquely given each of you is going to be a fuel, a catalyst for sowing seeds, so we already looked at that, um, that Bible passage, so we might just skip that because I think that Sue already did a fantastic job at reading that for us. But this is, this is sort of the command that Jesus gives to us, right? He's, he's posed this question by the Sadducees. They're trying to trick him. They say, what's the most important commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind? Well, for today, I want to ask, like, what is a heart? Like, what is your heart in this context, right? What does this actually mean? So I want to quickly uh, look at a few passages which kind of look at this. In Matthew 15, 19 to 20, Jesus is talking, and he's talking about the heart. And he says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. Yeah, whoa. Why do I want to be listening to my heart then if that's what's coming out of it, right? Like that sounds like a pretty surefire way to end up in failure. If I'm going to let my heart inform how I'm living out my life as a Christian, if I'm letting my heart inform how I serve the church and God's kingdom and others, that sounds pretty problematic if that's going to be something that I'm using as a compass. But then see, what we are given in the Bible is this other idea of a new heart. In Ezekiel 36, 26, the prophet writes, uh, this is God's promise to us. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your hard heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So we all have these emotions. We need to figure out what are we going to do with them, okay? They can either be used for good or for bad. So I want to look at today three different emotions that can either be a driver for good for God's purpose, for God's glory, or can ultimately be a driver for bad, for destruction, for tearing people, things, and the kingdom of God down. So we all kind of know that Jesus was this three-dimensional human being. He was the Son of God. He was fully man. He was fully God. But I love that he wasn't this sort of stoic monk who didn't feel anything. Right? He was a passionate guy who felt things, and he allowed that passion, those emotions, to really inform the way that he did his ministry. And the first example of this I want to look at is in John 2, when he goes into the temple courts. I think a lot of us will know this passage, but I think it uh, begs to be read again. And it's in the temple courts, Jesus found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. This is in the temple of God that he sees this. So Jesus made a whip out of cords, Whew. 
and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered what is written. Zeal for your house will consume me. So I want to ask you, what gets you mad? Like, what gets you fired up inside? What really gets you feeling a a, a sense of injustice for the world? What's something that you see that you go, you know what, I'm not happy with the way that this is. I'm not happy the way of the state that this person, right, this community, this program, this ministry is currently running. Or I'm even just mad that there's a need for this. What really gets you fired up? Because I think sometimes as Christians, we can get a little bit guilty of thinking that we always need to be happy, happy, joy, joy. It's not actually true. Because like Jesus is supposed to be the perfect example of what it looks like to follow God. So obviously there are moments where we want to be listening to this anger inside of us, this righteous anger. Because ultimately... When we listen to anger which is righteous and in line with God's will, it's going to lead to the coming of God's kingdom. And I think if you ever need a bit of a litmus test for trying to figure out just on a quick sort of test of whether your anger is good or bad, is your anger building something up or is your anger tearing something down? Is your anger building up people around you or is it tearing them down? Is your anger building up ministries and programs around you or is it tearing them down? Is your anger building up the kingdom of God, sharing the truth of justice and righteousness into your community or is it tearing it down? It's a really easy litmus test. And it's something that we need to continue to navigate. I'm sure there's probably some people in the room this morning who at times struggle with their anger. I'm going to put my hand up. That's something that I can struggle with sometimes. And it's something that as I continue to walk with Jesus, I'm improving in. But it's something that we need to maybe watch out for those of us who might be too readily fueled by anger. But anger isn't always a bad thing if it's building something up. Is your anger leading you to improving something? An example that I think of is Brendan McAdam, who is actually serving up the back today. He gets frustrated when he sees like cords in rats' nests around this place. He gets frustrated. But instead of allowing that to be a negative thing, he uses that frustration to then improve that situation. He goes, you know what? This is really frustrating me. These cords are in an absolute mess on the ground right now. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to improve it. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to see God's kingdom more readily come in that small area of our church. I think of even an Ian Stewart. I was down with him in the men's shed the other week and he was getting so frustrated at some of the processes down in the men's shed because he's got a heart for safety and OH&S. And he was getting frustrated that there were certain things that weren't to the standard that he, in his heart, right, seeing wanting a heavenly perfection in the men's shed, wants to see. And this isn't an indictment on any of these ministries. We all have these things that we see and quite often we don't do, that we see and quite often don't address, that we see and walk away from. And what I want to encourage you this morning is maybe the thing that you're seeing that isn't up to scratch, that you would like to see improved, bettered, maybe no one else is seeing it. Maybe you're the only one. Maybe God's given you a heart to see that need for improvement. 
The next sort of emotion I want to talk about is sadness. I think sadness can quite often be something that we look at as debilitating, as something which stops us, as something which brings us down. But Jesus famously weeps at the tomb of Lazarus. Let's quickly read that passage in John 11. The Apostle John writes, When Jesus saw her weeping, it was Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid Lazarus, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. See, Jesus is weeping for his friend who is dead right now. He's weeping because he sees the pain for Mary and Martha and Lazarus and he wants to help them. What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Who are you passionate about helping? What upsets you? What makes you despair? What makes you want to cry? Ultimately, the question is, who do you want to help? Where do you see that need? Again, I think of Emma Taylor, who's unfortunately not here this morning, but what breaks her heart? is the thought of her kids not knowing Jesus, of the thought of her kids not being in a relationship with God. So what does she do? She serves in youth ministry as our youth mum. I think of a Fifi Lawson who gets upset at the thought that there are people in our wider community who are going out without food. And the entire hands and feet team who get around that ministry to make sure that the need in the community is met. Because it breaks their heart that there's people without food. Again, I think it's important to recognise that there are people who really struggle with depression. There are people who really struggle with negative thoughts that spiral down. I think, again, maybe the litmus test for whether this sadness that maybe God has placed in your heart is a good thing or a bad thing is, is it pointing inwards or is it pointing outwards? Is it making you retreat? Is it making you stop? Or is it making you reach out to someone who your heart breaks for? Is it making you enact, change, and help somebody? So we've looked at anger. We've looked at sadness. Now I'm going to do the easy one. I'm going to do joy. That's an easy one, isn't it? That's a much easier one to do. Because this is the thing, we feel a lot more comfortable with joy. It's like, oh, thank you. We're, we're done with the anger and the sadness. We can get into the joy. Because joy is a really great emotion too. It's a really wonderful emotion that God has also placed in our heart. And I've intentionally used a very self-helpy sort of new agey term, what sparks joy. Because if that kind of really grates on you, what sparks joy, right? I think that maybe that's something in your heart that there's maybe a little bit of cynicism. I think I can have a little bit of cynicism sometimes about... So I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I went quite a few years uh, to Texas for a mate's wedding. And if you guys have ever been to Texas, I tell you what, they are the nicest people I have ever met. Like, they just smile from ear to ear all the time. They'll give you the shirt off their back. They are just happy all the time, right? This was my experience. And as like a bit of a cynical Australian, it kind of put me on the back foot the first few days. I'm like, hold on, this isn't real. 
you're not really that happy, are you? This isn't true. I mean, have you not watched the news lately? Like, there's war and famine and disease. Like, how are you this happy? We can be a bit cynical about joy sometimes, I think, as modern Australians. But ultimately, God has placed joy in all of your hearts. And that joy is a beautiful and powerful thing. So I'm just going to embarrass two final people this morning. I just, I just think of the webs. I'm going to pick on both of them this morning because they're also both serving this morning. But I, I, I know that um, I've had a conversation with Sue in the past. It says she just really enjoys doing MC. And doesn't that just shine? <laughs> doesn't that just shine from the front when she's doing MC? You can tell that she's having a good time doing it. You can tell that this act of serving for her brings her joy. Likewise, I've had a chat with Cam before. He's literally said playing drums is the best way to worship. Like for him, it is the best way to worship. And now I can assure you that there's probably people in this church who don't feel like playing drums is the best way to worship because God hasn't placed that joy in your heart. He's placed it in Cam Webb's heart. So what has God placed in your heart? What brings you joy? It's not a bad thing to be joyful and find joy in serving the Lord. Doing things that bring us joy is something that God wants to see. There's a re- really great quote from Rick Warren that talks about this sort of, this, I, I think, cultural cringe of, of, of finding joy in serving the Lord. And he writes, Many people think, if I like to do it, it must not be God's will. God's will must be something that's miserable. If I really enjoy it, if I really desire it, it couldn't be God's will. In fact, it must be sin. I think we can be super guilty of that, of almost feeling guilt for experiencing joy. But I want to encourage you this morning that maybe the joy that you feel is something that God has placed in your heart. And ultimately, again, it comes back to, is this joy being a catalyst for building people up around you, for building up programs and ministries around you, and for building up the kingdom of God? That's the litmus test that we come back to. What is the fruit from this joy that you experience? I might just call up uh, the band as I close. So I've posed three questions to you this morning. What do you want to improve? Who do you want to help? And what sparks joy? What do you want to improve? Who do you want to help? And what sparks joy? If even just one of those three areas lit something up in you this morning, I'd encourage you to not leave this building today without making a first step in seeing how you can be involved in that area. Whether it's helping someone, whether it's helping a group of people, whether it's serving, whether it's being involved, I don't care. You know what it is. God knows what it is. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. When you delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. He will place those desires inside of you, and all you need to do is listen. Will you listen? Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that when you came and sent your son, 
that Jesus, you showed us that you've given us a spectrum of emotions and we should not shy away from them. That we should listen to the desires and passions that you've laid in our heart. Lord, I pray this morning for those in our congregation who are feeling inspired by your spirit, who are feeling invigorated by the thought of something new, that you would give them the courage and the boldness to step into that, that you would give them the courage and the boldness to step up, and Lord, that you would make a way for them to sow seeds in a way that you've already planted in their hearts. Lord, you planted the first seed. You planted that seed in our hearts and now we are asked to go out and do likewise, to plant seeds in other people's hearts, to plant seeds in other ministries, to plant seeds for your kingdom that will ultimately bear fruit. Lord, I just pray if there's someone here this morning who is feeling flat, is feeling like their emotions are running them instead of that they are running their emotions. Lord, I pray that you would just compel them to seek prayer. We've got a corner up the back for prayer. I just pray, Lord, that you would push them. Just give them that little push they need so our team can pray for them, so our team can journey with them and that ultimately they can be formed into a closer likeness of Christ. Stir it up in our hearts, God. Help us to plant seeds that declare your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.